Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Tony, uh, you've had a chance now to sit down in the shade <laughs> after uh, an incredible week. It's literally a week ago today that the uh, news fully came about what happened in uh, Kamloops. Um, just first question is, how are you doing? What, what's this week been like for you personally? Um, it's been enlightening and encouraging in some ways and very discouraging in others. A lot of things that have come to light are things that haven't been dealt with. And so a lot of the issues that we see today are the result of deliberate actions, intentional actions, things that were uh, deliberately overlooked or uh, curtailed. And so that revelation has become more important in the work ahead because it's about changing minds. It's about changing behavior. It's about acting into that reconciliation with an honest heart. And if we don't do that, we are left with what we've been dealing with for the past 20 years. So there's a sense in which uh, it's, been, it's hard news, but there's some hope in the fact that this is like a wake-up call, finally. Would you say that, or is that? I think we've had several wake-up calls. Uh, we've had lots. We've had um, several studies. And so Cindy Blackstock, who is the uh, president of the Children's Society, um, the national program there to deal with the uh, foster, school, foster school kids programs and the residential school kids programs, uh, has said that the work has been done. The work through the TRC, through the residential school agreement, and other types of work that we've been doing have guided us and perform, they form a framework for what we need to do. And as we move forward, we have to see what the will is to do those actions because it doesn't change unless we do. I was amazed, uh, and here's my confession, you know, since I hadn't read the report. I think I yeah. saw the calls to action when they first came out, but I read uh, lots of the report uh, this week. And uh, that's my confession that this has been around a while. And what strikes me since then is stuff I read this week that, that literally a hundred years ago, people were, were doing a wake up call then. Yeah. And we basically hit the snooze button, snooze button, snooze button. And I, I guess the, if there's any hope for me, just observing, as it's like last year's uh, the death of George Floyd was an impetus for for a wake up to change. And 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 I hope that if there's any good news in this, that this is truly uh, a wake up call. No more snooze button on this, and and will call us to to learn and to to change our, our hearts. People say this question, and you're probably sick of it, but. But I want you to be able to ask, answer it. Like, so what, what's your best hope for us? What do we need to do so that we really hear? There are any number of ways that we shirk that question and yeah. any number of ways that we have found to adapt our own way of being to continue on in what we do and addressing these problems in a very serious and methodical way, in a very mature way that addresses some of the issues and stops some of the abuses, some of the violence and some of the deaths that are happening uh, is called on in all sectors of our society. This does not just affect the indigenous people. It affects our people of color, black people in our communities and others 
those that are racialized, those that are minorities from their faith traditions and other uh, avenues that they approach this culture. And so we need more openness. And that's what we preach here every week. But we need to demonstrate that. We need to apply it into uh, the work that we do and into our lives and in the expectations of one another. It's a very um, sobering moment. And I think that uh, we've tried to get our voice heard. We've tried to do the work. We've tried to include others and everything that we do is geared towards making a better society. And it's only now when there are tragedies, when there are consequences, when there are deliberate and intentional uh, works that we see that we need to address. Only then, when people can admit to the problems, to the issues, that we can now start to deal with them in a, in a whole sort of way. We're bringing our presence to this problem. We're not walking away, or we're not giving lip service to something. We want people to be engaged because this is a matter of your, the safety of your community, the safety of your country, the presence in the world and what we represent. So it's a very deep uh, moment for people to engage with this work and the work of being good neighbors the work of living out that good theology every day with one another. And that hopefully is something that we can learn and take forward from now on. Thanks. That's helpful. You know, last night I was on the call, so were you at the Calgary Interfaith Council. And uh, and I was I said to the group, you know, I've, lately I've been so embarrassed to be uh, Albertan, uh, Calgarian, and now Canadian as this story comes out. And yet, you know, as I watched that meeting and I say, I saw all these different religious communities coming together, to talk about the common good, to talk about compassion and justice. What do you what do you think the role of good religion is in this whole uh, conversation? I think it is communion. I think it is coming together, being community and reaching out to one another. I think that the more that we do that, the more that we practice that, the more that we engage with one another, care about each other, know about each other, and have concern for one another. That's the whole purpose for our existence here, to try to find a balance. And it's not just me and you, it's not just settler and indigenous or settler and, and, and uh, the uh, people of, of color from different parts of the world that are here. It's about how we treat our world around us and how we engage with that. So the, the way that I look at the waters, the way that I look at the mountains, the way that I look at the, the springs and, and the, the ways that life goes on here, the order that has been put in place, as my father would say, from the creator, and how we live into that story, because we're part of that creation story. We're part of one creation story that is God's. And so we want to do what we can in our part, in what we're called to do with our gifts, to do what the world what the world needs to preserve areas to preserve our, our two-legged four-legged winged and water-bound brethren who live in this world with us to remember the trees to remember the mountains to remember one another it's all a practice of respect it's all a practice of learning from one another and knowing that each is a gift from god that's uh that's helpful. And one of the things that's so important is that all the 
all the traditions are different and bring forward a different uh, diversity that's so important. I, you know, I've been thinking about, so who's going to lead this? And I got to say, my hope is the children. Mm -hmm. I was talking to my 10 year old uh, and told her about the ribbons that are here and she knew all about it. Uh, They had read a book in school that day called I'm Not a Number. And it's a story about a girl being sent to a residential school and becoming a number. Her name's Irene. She says, I'm Irene. A beautiful story that I watched on YouTube. And then she came home yesterday saying we did another story at school. You know, my hope, and I get shivers when I say that, because my hope is that the children are going to be the ones that call us adults out, who teach us, who inspire us, who encourage us. You know, and the image I have is, you know, in Jesus, and someone says, who's the greatest of them all? You know, and you see all the scholars in their midst, and Jesus overlooks all of them and looks at the child, unless you become like this. Like, I think that, I think children are going to be the ones, I hope, who who teach us and, and wake us up and inspire us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's where a bit of my hope lie. Um, and, you know, we did the service here the other day. There was the children from down in the, in the daycare came out and they sat in the shade over there. And was it ever a beautiful thing to see that someone in this uh, daycare wanted the children to be part of this? And so they're learning and they know about the sadness. I've heard them walk by the ribbons and, and talk to each other about the children who died. And, and so we're, I hope that we're, we're being truthful and telling the story so there's some kind of hope and change. And for me, there's a sense that children will teach us if we have humility to listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about all of this and this week, where's, where's the spirit, the creator, where's God in all of this for you as a person of faith? I think that it's in those entities that can understand, that empathize and can relate. And so the children are a good example. Well, we have the pastor down the road here who uh, said about his son who was going to that Riverside school that has since been, that is renamed to Riverside. Um, his son understood the context and he understood why it, was, why it needed to be done and was in full accord with what, what the decision was. And yet the adults among us, I think, are, are constrained to particular ways of thinking and particular uh, processes that, that they want to hold on to versus really trying to work things out in a collaborative way, in a way that doesn't make presumption about whose rules are better than whose and, and what we need to do, but gives us a sense that we need to work together on these things. I think that's the message that's been coming out from Indigenous people across the country is that, yes, it's, it's fine to do a lot of these actions, but without the presence and involvement of Indigenous people, a lot of those gestures will ring hollow because we are not doing the very important work of building relationship, repairing relationship and making new relationships. Hmm. So if you had to say in a line or two, uh, truth and reconciliation will come when, how would you finish that sentence? Truth and reconciliation will come when we're ready. I think that there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to catch up on. There's a lot of things that uh, we need to understand and that we need to uh, work through together to find a better, a better place because we're doing this for the future and we can't sort of 
make an easy go of it. We can't find a simple solution. This has to last. This has to be a historical process, a historical decision that brings us into a new way of thinking. Oftentimes in our indigenous traditions, we talk about creation stories. Every nation has a creation story. And if you look at those creation stories as a starting point, as a dealing with a conflict, dealing with an issue, dealing with a situation, that they move into a new phase of life, the new uh, sense of being and a new sense of belonging and redefine themselves in a particular way. Those creation stories are important lessons on how we promote change on how we live into that change in a wholehearted way, that we don't go into this half-hearted and bring the things that are dragging us along, but we try to do things in a new way. To a new, call to a new way. You know, when I, w I was reading the Truth and Reconciliation Report the other day, it ends uh, this way. It says, uh, reconciliation calls for national action. The way we govern ourselves must change. Laws must change. Policies and programs must change. The way we educate our children and ourselves must change. The way we do business must change. Thinking must change. The way we talk to and about each other must change. All Canadians must make a firm and lasting commitment to reconciliation to ensure that Canada is a country where our children and grandchildren can be safe. I mean, this... Um, I am. Uh, I'm sad that this that we've been so slow, and I'm inspired that people like yourself and others are drawing us attention. Your tireless patience with our ignorance, and your willingness to to listen again is a gift to us. And I I've been in this ministry uh, 30 years, and I was at the first apology in '86, and. Time has been so slow uh, and your patience and your wisdom and your traditions matter to us. And I hope you will, uh, you will be, continue to encourage, push uh, and help us be better uh, to each other and, and to God's creation. I, uh, I got to tell you that um, the other day when we rang the bells, my legs were shaking and it wasn't because it was hard work. I recall many occasions in my ministry when, when I've been shaken and this event has personally shaken me and many of us and I hope you will encourage us uh, to be faithful so that truth and reconciliation uh, becomes a reality uh, and I want to thank you for your leadership among us. Thank you. There's a lot of love and a lot of intention gone into the work that we do. And so this month, there's a lot of opportunity for people to come out and take part. Uh, a lot of uh, events will be taking place this month and in September as well. So there's ongoing commitment to work together. And people are always welcome to join us, always welcome to take part. We'd like to see those numbers go up, especially from Hillhurst. We are working at a more regional and national level to bring people to awareness and so it's a uh, a good time to be involved well we are making clear on the website of the many opportunities and my encouragement is to everyone to show up to one at least uh, and to, to take the time 
this summer to read the Truth and Reconciliation Summary Report uh, and to be, be aware. Uh, and I believe this is a faithful calling. So thanks for being with us and uh, we hope that this is a time of learning and growing for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.